0: Thank you for downloading this podcast from Teacher Magazine. I'm Dominique Russell. In this episode of the Research Files podcast series, we speak to Adjunct Professor of Curriculum and Pedagogy at James Cook University, Brian Luthwaite. We have him on the line from Canada, where he is currently based in the role of Program Coordinator at the Yukon Native Teacher Education Program. He's been working on a four-phase study centred on Indigenous perspectives of quality teaching in Australia, and joins us today to talk about phase one of this study. This included speaking to 30 teachers, 30 high school age students and 30 parents across approximately 12 schools about what quality teacher practice is for them.
1: Brian, welcome to the Research Files. Now, this paper is a part of a wider research project. So why did you choose to investigate this topic and what do you hope eventuates from it?
2: The study was motivated um, by developments that were occurring within the Australian context there's uh, huge attention to the idea of effective teaching, quality teaching. And from
0: my research
2: background and my knowledge of uh, what's occurring in places like New Zealand and, and Canada where I am now, um, I just believe that there was real need for us to qualify what we mean by effective teaching by drawing from Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voice But the concern that has been voiced in places like New Zealand is that when we talk about quality teaching, it's likely that this needs to be grounded in more of a sociocultural imperative. So we need to realize that some of those contextual features are really important. So the study really sought to augment the work that had already been done or completed in the area of effective teaching to give more of a sociocultural awareness of of influences on student learning.
1: The research involved interviewing teachers and students and parents about quality teacher practice. Who exactly was involved in this phase of the research?
2: So the the research is is aligned with what we call a four-phase study, and in the four phases, the first phase is a qualitative phase where we're just listening to parents and students and teachers about what effective teaching is. I think a really strong questions that uh, just precipitated huge response Uh, at times interviews that were potentially two to three hours long but questions that were often posed to parents were um, what is it uh, that you as a parent would like teachers to know that you believe might influence your child in their learning And then the question that was asked to students, probably the one that brought the most fruitful responses was a question like, next year, you're going to be moving on into grade nine. And what is it that you would like your teacher to know that can assist you in your learning? And then the question to teachers was along the same line. So we were looking for kind of, I guess what you'd call a confirmability so from these three different points of view, but the teacher comment was, having worked in this community and worked with Indigenous students over the time that you've been here, and in some cases that might have been multiple years, what have you, what have you come to realize uh, is important in influencing you and in your teaching? And if you are going to say anything to a new teacher about working with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander students, what, what, what is it that you would like them to hear? So those three kinds of questions really opened the door for conversations that some were brief, but some were very, very elaborate. And I think the longest comments primarily came from parents who had a lot to say.
1: Other than the answers that you've just mentioned there, were there any other main results from the comments of these interviews that you did that really jumped out at you from the three groups of people?
2: I think the first thing I draw attention to is, the lack of awareness that teachers had of the significance of history upon Indigenous students' success in schools. So I think this is really, really important. A lot of the inu- interviews were done in rural uh, Queensland in Catholic education schools, where majority of the, of the teachers are not have not been in service that long. So many of them are new graduates who are in rural communities i would think i can't remember exactly but i would think that probably the median experience age for our ta- years of service for teachers might have been around four years and if we think of teacher education right now in all universities in all college of education so teacher candidates will be exposed to the things of importance to do with indigenous students and their learning and i think the the colonized history of Australia and experiences that parents and generationally will have had would be students, graduate teachers would be well exposed to that. But what was quite clear in the interviews was not a critical awareness of how that history really impacts on classrooms and their interactions with students today. I think the, the word I would use to describe it was there's a very tenuous relationship between parents, parents and their children and teachers as represented by schools. So the, the history of schooling continues to play out in the interactions that parents have with their children in going to school every day. I think there were lots of comments that related to parents' inability to change the system or to change things on behalf of their student. So they sought for things to work better for their children, but they didn't necessarily feel feel that they had the agency to bring about change on behalf of. So they, I think a really important message was is that many parents believed that they were at the mercy of the system, they were at the mercy of teachers. And although they were expressing a confidence in teachers to work on behalf, their children, they felt it quite powerless to be able to do that. The other dimension was the clearness and the clarity and the, the conciseness of what students said about what effective teaching was. If you look at what I would call them, we call them what are called low-inference behaviors, very clear actions that are expressed by students that impact on their learning. In other words, when you take all these qualitative comments, they pretty quickly begin to give you uh, an indication of what an effective teaching profile might be. And so when we're working with teachers, it gives very pragmatic, tangible, immediate actions that teachers can put in place based upon what students are saying. The profile that's developed from it becomes very much low-inference behaviors look at and evaluate themselves and overall it was the, the, the attention to history from parents and then also the specific insights that students had about what teachers could do and in contrast to that teachers tended to not be aware critically of the importance of that history on their interactions with students and didn't seem to have the repertoire of teaching behaviors that they could enact that would meet their students' needs. So they had general ideas of what they could do, but not to the specific degree that students were communicating.
1: If I could just bring you to the Venn diagram that's present in the report published, I found it quite interesting that uh, the overlap between the quality teaching practices reported by parents, students, and teachers, uh, what's in common with all three of those groups is code switching and effective relationships. Would you be able to expand more on that?
2: Teachers who were seen themselves as effective were very aware that at the core of effective teaching practice was placing emphasis on developing positive relationships that demonstrated their belief in students. So it was not uncommon for for students and parents to recognize what might be uh, teachers' ambivalence or teachers' lack of concern, knowing through the physical actions of teachers that teachers cared. But the demonstration of care came through very tangible means. So, and that came from spending time with students, most importantly, in conversation that related to their learning. So when students knew and teachers knew that a teacher was focused on, on their learning, um, that, that became the cornerstone of an effective relationship. I think caring is demonstrated through such actions as having high expectations, having spending time with the student and not ignoring them, um, encouraging them, you know, showing attention to maybe things like uh, a poor quality of work or, or being late or, or missing school. For me as an international researcher, I had never heard of the area of code switching. In the area of educational sociology, we talk about the importance of, of certain students have capital So if they they have capital to be able to negotiate the school system. But it was really fascinating to hear from, especially from Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander parents, that they were teaching their kids how to navigate schooling and that there there's social protocols that are necessary within schooling or you're not going to be successful or you're going to get to be in trouble. You can't just, you know, you've got to put up your hand you, you can't just get out of your seat and walk away, but often a lot of the things that cause students to get into trouble are really just they're just codes of conduct that that students might um, do at home, but they can't do it at school. It was funny because you actually had parents that talked about that when their children put on that school uniform on a Monday morning, they knew that they they were They were going into school and they had to behave in a particular way. They had to speak in a different way. Teachers also were aware that students were trying to navigate that space.
1: And finally then, what are the next steps for this research?
2: So you'll find that with that research, there's actually been several other publications which relate to Phase 2 and Phase 3, and then finally to Phase 4 qualitative research allowed us to develop what was called an effective teaching profile. So the effective teaching profile contains, I think, something like 50 teacher behaviors that are categorized that fall into around seven or eight different categories. And then from that statistical analysis, we were able to build a, uh, an instrument statistically that will as- actually measure a teacher's teacher's cultural competence in terms of of effective teaching. So on the website, what teachers can do is they can can go to the website and they can answer questions that then gives them a profile. And then based on that profile, what they can do is they can make adjustments to their teaching and then determine what the consequence of that adjustment is on their student's and the performance. Ultimately it comes back to the question, and the question was what is it that teachers need to be doing that can cause their practice to be more effective, but especially with attention to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander students, at least for the communities that are represented in this study. And there's been a there's just been a huge number of publications in Australia on effective teaching what can teachers do for indigenous students but the issue is that it's never been from a quantitative perspective and i think this is what the international literature is seeking is just a more specific understanding of what teachers can do to bring about that
1: same result thank you for joining us on this episode of the research files brian it's been a pleasure
0: that's all for this episode to keep listening or to download all of our podcasts for free just visit acer.ac forward slash teacher iTunes or you can head to soundcloud.com forward slash teacher acer. Of course, you can also check out the full transcript of this podcast and the related reading, including links to the full report by visiting teachermagazine.com.au, where you'll also find the latest articles, videos and infographics for free.